There is the way of the righteous that ends in life, and there is the way of the wicked that ends in death. You are on one of those paths. In the mind of God, there's no lack of clarity. You are either on the path of the wicked, or you are on the path of the righteous. And they end up in totally different places. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in South Lake, Texas. Hi, I'm Bill Wright, and Tom is continuing his current series titled, Watch Where You Step. Throughout this series, we're looking at what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesian church regarding biblical wisdom. Watching where you step, in the sense of discerning between wisdom and foolishness, You've learned the biblical definition of a wise person and a foolish person, as well as the importance of taking every opportunity to pursue growing in both the knowledge of and obedience to biblical wisdom. Well, today Tom will explore what the Apostle Paul considers the source of wisdom, as well as a crucial component to pursue and live out a life saturated in biblical wisdom. And friend, be encouraged as you hear and receive God's Word today. Let's join Tom Pennington right now here on The Word Unleashed. There was a disturbing article in USA Today, a newspaper. It was kind of an executive summary and and an expansion of a survey, and the results of which had come out earlier that week, the Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. The upshot of the article is that syncretism is on the rise in the U.S. That is the mixing together of contradictory beliefs, a sort of Mr. Potato Head approach to truth and faith. The article was entitled, More U.S. Christians Mix in Eastern New Age Beliefs. Kathy Grossman, the article's author, writes this, Despite Americans' overwhelming allegiance to someone they call God, some 92% of Americans believe in God or say they do, in Pew's 2008 survey, 70% said, quote, many religions can lead to eternal life, and 68% said, quote, there's more than one true way to interpret the teachings of my religion. The article went on to say that that trend cuts across all faiths, And it's true as well of all branches and all theological persuasions of the Christian faith as well. Catholic and Protestant, liberal, conservative, it seems to be a growing trend across the board. Perhaps the most interesting part of the article, though, was the reason offered for why this odd intermixing of various ideas together is taking root in the American consciousness. Grossman quotes Stephen Prothero, who is the director of religious studies at Boston University, as thinking that the reason is there is an, quote, resistance to being told what to think. A resistance to being told what to think. Grossman adds this, in short, we believe our own experiences are authentic and no authority can say otherwise. We believe our own experiences are authentic and no authority can say otherwise. Tragically, 
That means that the Christian culture is going the way of the biblical fool. Because in Scripture, the predominant characteristic of the fool is that he is confident of his own thinking, of his own mind, of his own choices, of his own behavior. He refuses to hear and to heed God's revealed wisdom. He trusts his mind over the mind of God. God says such a person is a fool. Now, don't misunderstand. To be a fool, you don't have to actively set yourself against God. Although it is true that one who actively despises God and his ways is a fool. But to qualify as a fool, you just have to be confident enough in yourself and your own ability to discern what's right and best for you that you simply ignore God and ignore his revelation. Proverbs begins with the theme verse in Proverbs 1-7. Listen to it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. From God's perspective, a fool is a person who has a proud self-confidence and who consistently makes moral choices and decisions without regard for his or her creator and what he thinks. That kind of foolishness produces spiritually irrational behavior. Tragically, the news is filled with poignant examples of what happens when people abandon revelation and begin to rely on their own thinking instead, their own independent thinking. You could pick up any paper, any day of the week, and find numerous examples. This week, I read that according to the London Times, Researchers now claim that dolphins rank second to humans in terms of intelligence. They have now, dolphins have displaced apes and chimps as being next smartest to human beings. But the article went on to say that those same researchers and scientists, and by the way, that may be true. I'm not arguing that, that reality. But the, the scientists and the researchers went on to say that dolphins should be declared to be, quote, non-human persons with specific rights. Now, obviously, that kind of thinking ignores the divine revelation that man alone is made in the image of God. That's just one example of many, many examples in the culture of what happens when you abandon God's revelation, God's wisdom, and you embrace your own thinking. As Christians, we are called to exercise biblical wisdom, God's wisdom, and not to be fools. Paul reminds the Ephesian believers that he loves so much of this great duty in Ephesians chapter 5. Let me read for you again the verses that we're looking at together. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. This is really the introduction to the section. You'll notice verse 19 is part of the same sentence, but it's a shift of thought, and I'll explain that to you in a moment. So we'll just read verses 15 to 18. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation but be filled with the Spirit. Beginning in chapter 4 and running all the way through the end of this book, as I have 
told you many times before, Paul is explaining to us the implications of our new position in Christ. This section begins in chapter 4, verse 1, with a call for us to walk worthy of our calling. How can we walk worthy of our new position in Christ? Well, we've already discovered several ways. By walking in unity in the church, by walking in keeping with the new life we have in Christ and not returning to the old life, by walking in a life of love that shows love to those around us in very practical ways, by walking in sexual purity, as we've seen in the first part of chapter 5. Now let me remind you of how this long section unfolds. In verses 15 to 18 that I read to you, Paul gives us the command to walk in biblical wisdom. The command to walk in biblical wisdom, and he explains how to do that. And then beginning in chapter 5, verse 19, running all the way down through chapter 6, verse 9, you have the consequences, our results of walking in biblical wisdom. Here's what it looks like in real life as it fleshes itself out. In fact, all of those wonderful, familiar texts that we love in chapters 5 and 6 all stem from this one passage that I read to you this morning. In these verses, Paul confronts us with the command to walk in biblical wisdom. Notice verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Paul means by our walk, he's talking about the paths our daily life takes. The normal decisions you make, the normal thoughts you have in a given day's time. What your life looks like each day. Let your predictable patterns of behavior, your habits, your lifestyle, when it comes to those patterns, we are not to live like fools. Instead, we are to consistently live like those God would call wise. That's the command. But in these four verses, Paul not only issues the command, but then he explains how to carry out that command. He explains or marks out the path to a life of biblical wisdom. Do you want to be wise as commanded here? Do you want to live a life of biblical wisdom? Well, he explains how, and we're looking at that together. There are several crucial components of a life of biblical wisdom in these four verses, verses 15 through 18. The first one that we studied last time If you want to be biblically wise, number one, examine your ways. Examine your ways. Look at verse 15 again. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Be careful is one of the common Greek words for seeing. It means to really see things as they are. In this context, it means to contemplate, to weigh, to think carefully about. Paul is saying, think about how your daily life is ordered. Don't live an unexamined life. Don't just be swept along. Don't get up every day and do what you've always done without stopping to think about the choices you're making. If you want to live in biblical wisdom, you must examine your life. The second crucial component of a life of biblical wisdom that we saw last time is in verse 16. Seize every opportunity. Seize every opportunity. Notice he says, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Literally, redeeming the time. Paul wants us to know that if we're going to walk in biblical wisdom, we have to redeem or buy up the opportunities that come our way. 
We are to live a life of biblical wisdom by seizing every opportunity to advance in wisdom. Why? Because the days are evil. Because we are surrounded by evil and moral foolishness everywhere under the control of Satan himself. So the only way to live a wise life in such an evil day is to live on purpose. Listen, folks, we cannot allow ourselves to be swept along by the tide of popular opinion, by the philosophies and ideologies of the cultural elite in our society, by the reigning ideas of our times. Instead, we have to seize every opportunity to pursue biblical wisdom. Now, that's just a brief review of where we've been. That brings us up to speed with the flow of this wonderful passage. In the next point that we come to today, Paul really gets to the source of wisdom itself and to the third crucial component in a life of biblical wisdom. The third component is this, understand God's will. Understand God's will. He begins in verse 17 with the negative. Notice what he says, so then, in other words, in light of the command that I've given you to walk in wisdom, do not be foolish. Don't be a fool. The word foolish here doesn't have to do with a lack of knowledge or intelligence. You can have a great deal of intelligence and be a fool from God's perspective. The foolish person is the person who fails to apply wisdom in the practical issues of daily life. The foolish person doesn't know how or refuses to make daily practical decisions and choices that reflect the will and purpose of God. As one author says, it is moral stupidity in action. To really understand what Paul is saying here, you have to understand that these words, wise and foolish, wisdom and foolishness, have their root in the Old Testament, specifically in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, especially in Psalms and Proverbs, where the writers there simplify life. We like to think of life as complicated. They don't. They simplify it. They basically say, in life, there are two basic paths. In fact, turn back with me to Psalm 1. This is my favorite example of it. Psalm 1. And in Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, you have the way of the righteous explained. The blessed man, that is the enviable man, and how he lives and what his life looks like. In verse 4 of Psalm 1, you have the contrast, the wicked. They are not so, and then they are described. Verse 6 summarizes this way, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Understand, folks, there are only two paths in life. There is the way of the righteous that ends in life, and there is the way of the wicked that ends in death. You are on one of those paths. In the mind of God, there's no lack of clarity. You are either on the path of the wicked or you are on the path of the righteous. And they end up in totally different places. But I want you to notice the righteous and how they're described in verse 1. How enviable is literally what that word means. How to be envied is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, folks, when you're awake, you're either walking or standing, or sitting. In other words, it's all of life. And he uses three nouns to describe the wicked, sinners, and scoffers. That's not a group out of the larger group of sinners. That's all unbelievers. 
Every unbeliever without exception is included in verse one. And notice the righteous man completely abandons every path of those who live in rebellion against God. In other words, he abandons every human way. That's the point of verse one. He abandons every human way. And notice verse two, he embraces only God's way, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. So listen carefully. You wanna know this morning God's perspective of you? The way of the righteous is the way of the Bible and the way of the wicked is everything else. So ask yourself this morning, what path are you on? You on your own path, or are you on God's path? The way of the righteous is the path to biblical wisdom. The way of the wicked is the path of the fool. You can identify, here's what I want you to get from this, you can identify a truly righteous life, a wise man, by how he responds to God's way as it's revealed in the Bible. In fact, even the position of Psalm 1 tells us that. If I had to give a theme to the book of Psalms, it would be this. It is a pattern of worship, of personal worship, and positioned as kind of the gatekeeper. At the entrance to the true worship of God is this psalm, which says there are two ways. And every person who would approach God in worship has to make a choice between those two ways. It's a choice you have to make and I have to make. It's the way of the Bible and it's every other way. Are you willing to abandon every human way, including your own way, and embrace only God's way? If you're walking in step with various human ways, then you're a fool. By the way, it's true that this morning, I could look at your life, others could look at your life and say, you are on the path of the righteous or you are on the path of the wicked as a whole, the predominant overarching direction of your life. It is also true of specific areas of our lives because you can be following God's wisdom in your family life and at the same time worldly wisdom in your career. You can practice biblical wisdom in your parenting and worldly wisdom in how you handle your money. You can practice biblical wisdom in your finances and worldly wisdom in how you use your free time. The bottom line is this, in all of life and in every area of life, we are either living by God's wisdom or by demonically inspired human wisdom. You are either pursuing God's way or the wrong way. The question is this morning, what path are you on? Are you on the path of the fool? Are you on the path of the righteous and the wise? You know, people do what they do. They make that choice based on the prevailing influences in their lives. In fact, let me show you the paths most people are on, the controlling influences in most people's lives that drive them to the path of the wicked, the way of the fool. One of them is the thinking of the age, the mindset of the world around us. That's here in Psalm 1. Notice he says, we're not to walk, that is, order our daily lives after the counsel or advice of the wicked. In other words, don't let the people and the culture around you shape your thinking and make decisions about what you do based on that. Paul says the same thing in Romans 12 too. He says, don't allow the age in which you live, literally says, to push you into its mold. Do not be conformed to the age in which you live. That is to the mindset of the age and times in which you live but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, 
People are driven and influenced by the, the people around them, by the culture, by the thinking of the age in which they live. There's another powerful influence that drives most people, not only the thinking of the age, but the desires of the flesh. 1 Peter 4.2 says, we're now as Christians to live out the rest of the time here no longer for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Did you see how he juxtaposed the two? People are either living for the will of God or, as we used to, living for the lusts or cravings of men. In Ephesians 2.3, he puts it like this, among them, that is among unbelievers, we too all formerly lived in the cravings of our flesh, our fallenness, indulging, and the New American Standard says desires, the Greek word is wills, indulging the wills of the body and the mind. We were driven by our fallen bodies and minds. We were pursuing the desires that they create, and we gave ourselves to those pursuits. And many people are driven by the desires of the flesh. There's a third influence in the lives of many people. It's the will of Satan. In first, excuse me, in 2 Timothy 2.26, Paul, writing to Timothy, says that the elders need to be willing to help and able to help those who are locked in error, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, the trap of the devil. Listen, having been held captive by him to do his will. People who are locked into false religious systems and philosophies and ideologies are driven by Satan himself. They are driven by his will and his ideas. In other words, when you look at those three influences, as we learned in Ephesians 2, the major influences in the lives of unbelievers are the world, the flesh, and the devil. If you're not living God's way, then you are under the control of one or more of those things. You are living the life of a fool. You know, people say, listen, I'm not going to go in for this or that because I'm my own person. You heard that? I'm my own person. No, you're not. Nobody's his own person. That's the point of the Scripture. You're either God's man or you're the devil's man, but you're not your own person. You are the slave of somebody. It's either God or the devil, but you are not your own person. Don't be foolish. Don't live like you used to live and like unbelievers live under the power and influence of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Then he turns positive. Notice verse 17. So then do not be foolish. Don't live like that, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now notice the comparisons in this passage. Back in verse 15, he says a person is either unwise or they're wise. And then in verse 17, he doesn't use the word wise. He uses the word foolish, but not the word wise. Instead, he says, we are either foolish or, and we expect him to say wise, but he says, or we understand the will of the Lord. So let's track with his point here. To be foolish is simply to fail to understand God's will, and to be wise is to understand it and to do it. So you either understand and do the will of God, or you're a spiritual fool. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part three of his current series titled Watch Where You Step. 
Tom will bring you part four on our next broadcast as he once again takes us to God's Word, and we do hope you'll join us then. Well, Tom, it can be convicting to hear the biblical truth that either we're living God's way or we're living for the world, our flesh, or the devil. You know, Bill, that is hard to hear. At the same time, it's important because the only life worth living is a life that's examined. Have we looked honestly and seriously at how we're living, the decisions we're making? That's really what Paul is urging us to do. He's saying it's easy if you live in the world, even as a believer, to be swept along with the foolishness that surrounds us and to live as if we were the fool, whereas in biblical terms, we need to walk in biblical wisdom. And that's what Paul's calling us to do, and and we can do that. So let me just encourage you, take a look at your own heart, take a look at your own walk, examine your life in light of the text we're studying, and Respond as God would have you respond. Thanks, Tom. And friend, we'd love to hear from you. If you haven't reached out before or if you're a first-time listener, we'd like to send you Tom's book, Jesus High View of Scripture, free of charge. Just subscribe to The Word Unleashed on our website and we'll mail you a free copy of Tom's book. Well, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. And don't forget to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do so by visiting thewordunleashed.org. That's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory explaining God's truth.